We know that building and running a company is hard work and that its success requires great leadership. Because we believe people can achieve incredible things, we want to shine a light on those people who are improving their organizations. Join us as Core Talent's Laura King invites presidents, CEOs, and executives to share their stories on how they have transformed their business and implemented unique strategies to ensure its success. Welcome to Core Talent Connects. Here's your host, Laura King. Welcome to Core Talent Connects. We are here today with Alexis Walsko, and I'm going to read a little bio. So Alexis is the founder, the CEO, and visionary at Lola Red. She founded this agency 22 at age 22 and has since established Lola Red as an award-winning and nationally recognized PR firm. In 2019, she oversaw the addition of a team and office in Denver, Colorado, In 2015, she oversaw the addition of Lola Pro, a division of Lola Red that represents professional athletes, including NFL Man of the Year nominee Kyle Rudolph and NHL King Clancy recipient Jason Zucker. In her role as visionary, Alexis nurtures the agency's passion for hustling on behalf of their clients, and she's also received numerous accolades, including both Women in Business, 40 Under 40, Young Entrepreneur, Founder of the Year, uh, those are both from NABO, Volunteer of the Year from Smile Network International, and she's recognized as one of the top 500 business people in the Twin Cities. When she's not leading the charge at Lola Red, Alexis serves as an advisory board member and visiting instructor for the Vantage program that involves high school students in business ventures. She's a board member for ACES. She's traveled to Kenya Haiti, Peru, India, and Mexico as a support team member for medical missions for Smile Network International and No Time for Poverty. She spent eight years in Boulder, Colorado, where she says she learned to be a good human and developed a passion for climbing 14,000 plus foot peaks and running. Her first marathon was in Paris in 2014 with successive races in Grand Cayman and Juneau, Alaska. In 2018, she completed the Strive Challenge biking across Italy with Richard Branson and his family to benefit Big Change Charity. Okay. I'm, I'm in awe. <laughs> and I'm sure many of our listeners are in awe. Um, I know this is a compilation of you know, a lot of hard work and, and hustle, but how, how do you do it all? Um. That's hard to listen to, which I think is an interesting, I don't know why that is, but I I wonder if, I wonder if it's that way for everybody. I think it depends on what kind of a leader you are. It feels a little uncomfortable, but I also, I'm I'm proud of it. So how I live my life is I say yes to everything I possibly can. I like to say I'm an opportunist. So when I see an opportunity or see something that I want to do or someone I want to meet or something I want to think about, I just dive in 
without any hesitation. Is it how you've been your entire life? Um, unfortunately for my family, yes. So, <laughs> Just out of curiosity, what uh, birth order are you? I'm an only child. So I am an only child. Um, I am an only child. I have two parents. They live in Plymouth, Minnesota. Um, my mother is very similar to me. So she is all in, wants to do everything all the time. My dad is much more conservative and starts from exactly the opposite direction. So that is why he and I do not work well together. <laughs> but do you have any of him in you that makes you sometimes think twice before jumping I have, in? He taught me a lesson that I hate. I hate following, but I know it's important and that he taught me that anything worth doing is worth doing well or worth doing right. And so, and he taught me that as we have done more of like physical projects together. So whether it was like hanging lights or painting walls or doing um, things that required detail, I hate detail. And so, but he taught me that if it, it, like it is worth taking the extra time, going the extra mile. And so to me, that's a, challenge to finish all of those details but that's also that is one of the greatest lessons that he taught me I mean in addition to many other things so for listeners who have never heard of Mm -hmm. Lola Red if they've been living under a rock or something Mm -hmm. tell us more about the story of how Lola Red came to be yeah so Lola Red so Lola Red is a digital PR firm first of all how did the name come about um well I, I was 22 years old and at the age of 22, this is all kind of part of the story. Um, I was driving to a job that I hated and I was thinking about things that I love and I love Madonna and her daughter's nickname is Lola. Mm -hmm. And at the time, and I I used to tell the story that my favorite color was red, but I never remember my favorite color being red. I think it's because I drove a red car that then I put Lola red together. And at the time I envisioned that my company would have a cartoon character girl that would be our logo and also sort of be my persona because also Alexis Walsko, like not a good name. I don't believe in putting it on the door for my company. And um, Lola Red just kind of made sense. So that's where it came from. But how I learned PR skills and how I got into PR, I'm proud to tell people I always knew I would be in business. So that has been, it has been in my core since, probably since I can remember. I knew I would do this. I just didn't know what the business was. And it was an internship while I was in college where when I showed up at this internship, they didn't need the skills that I developed in school. So I studied marketing and entrepreneurship so I can write a business plan. I can write a marketing plan. But this company just wanted to get in national magazines. And so I took it upon myself to figure out how do you do that? And once I figured out how to do it, I developed relationships at national magazines. So a Vogue, a Forbes, a Cosmo, an InStyle, a Glamour. And I started keeping... Um, Excel spreadsheets of relationships and people. And so in Boulder, Colorado at that time, 
I became the girl that was known for being able to get you in national publications. And so I did decide at that time that I wanted to go and work for an ad agency for six months, and I did. And I thought that this ad agency was so glamorous, and I thought that the people looked like me, and I was going to love being in their beautiful office. And what I realized was that I hated it. I hated, so for six months I worked there, and I just did not fit that mold. And it was super uncomfortable for me. I, like, couldn't show up in the morning on time. I, like, left early. I just was not, it was not productive for me. I cried. Did you have any sense when you were going through the interview process that that would be the case? No, no. So I was kind of shocked at that. And they ended up, this ad agency lost one of their biggest clients and announced they had to do layoffs. And I actually went in and volunteered and said, I think I'd be a good option because I had a side hustle and my side hustle was still getting smaller companies into national publications. So I knew that I like kind of had this backup plan. I also knew that I liked PR better than I liked doing advertising and coordinating creative people. <laughs> okay, yes. And so, and I thought I was going to get a massive severance check for my six months of service to this company. As a 22-year-old, 21-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so um, it was, I mean, today it was sizable. So I got a $1,500 severance check. I went home and I paid my rent for the next month. And two weeks later, I had started Lola Red and had our first client. Wow. And so, yeah, but like early days, not easy. So I lived in a 450-square-foot condo in Boulder, Colorado, which 450 square feet. like Super tiny. Super tiny. My desk was like smaller than a card table, and computers were much bigger then. But so I would, in the morning, I would work at a local coffee shop from 5.30 until about 12.30. And then I would go home, I would take a little nap, and then from about 1.30 until 7 at night, I would do PR. So I would be calling people in New York, I would be emailing them, pitching them stories. And, and you're doing that out of your two, your 450 foot? Yes. Yes. Yes, while still having meetings and trying to get new business. And I think something that I find really interesting that I did was... I remember I was so young, but so people would be like, how old are you? And I'd always, when I was 22, I'd tell them I was 25. When I was 23, I'd tell them I was 26. Whereas today I'm 42 and I'm like, I'm 20. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, but that, that's how I got started. So when did you start hiring employees? Um, my, I like think I hired friends to help when I was in Boulder But then I ended up, Boulder eventually priced me out, and I just needed a life change. I got a dog that couldn't live in the condo that I was in. Um, And so I think I made some decisions that made me realize that my life needed to change. So I moved back to Plymouth, Minnesota, to my parents' basement in Plymouth, Minnesota. I had a plywood desk that my dad made me that I literally just moved on from probably two years ago. Um, And we still keep it here, actually. It was in their basement. I hired an intern, and it was just intern and me in my parents' basement at that time. And that was, I had sort of a a shift 
and something that helped to accelerate my business is that I kept getting phone calls from Women's Wear Daily asking me about myself and my business. And Women's Wear Daily is the daily beauty Bible of the fashion and beauty world. Mm-hmm. And why they were calling was that they ended up, they were um, asking me, it, it, all of these questions were because they were going to feature me as one of the top 50 firms of the nation, which myself, intern, plywood desk, dog on my lap, Plymouth, Minnesota. And they, how I finally figured it out was they called and they asked for a headshot. It's like, I didn't have a headshot. Like I didn't, we, the world was very different than it is today. So I had to go down the street to ProX and for $25 get a headshot, which, yeah, but it was this shift that helped. It put, it put me on the map, but also times, people were talking. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. people were sharing the information of this girl that could get you in national publications who was willing to work hard. And like, it was odd that she was in Minnesota, but so, I mean, it was, it was interesting. So when I first got to Minnesota, I had no clients here. So my clients were in San Francisco, New York city, San Diego, Montana, Colorado. They were everywhere, but here. And what was interesting was that at first, Minnesota wasn't the easiest place to work. And so as I started, once I finally got a client here and started pitching media here, people were not super receptive at first because I was an outsider coming in, even though I was from here. I hadn't been here for so long. Mm-hmm. So um, it was kind of, it, it was an interesting time. And I remember like when I fit, pitched my first segment here in the Twin Cities and Care 11 picked it up and finally wanted um, finally wanted one of my clients. I remember that was like my only media feature for, for like that week. And so all I did was plan and prepare for it and do everything I could to get ready and showed up. And of course, my client was a superstar in that. But as I kept showing up and pitching more things here locally and having more clients, then media started to ask me, like, can you just do a segment? So that was, that evolved into for a while, like running around the Twin Cities, being a lifestyle expert, going on all of the local television shows, and then also ended up doing a radio show for six years on My Talk 107 with my good friend Allison Kaplan. Oh my gosh. Who's now the editor of Twin all Cities Business. Didn't know. Yes. Yeah. So it is this like kind of, it, it has been an adventure, most definitely. How do you find the energy to keep running so so hard uh, after 20, you know, some years? I just, I, I love this. And so I hate that I say this, but I'm going to say it. Business is hard. Like, this is not getting into business. It is not for the weary. It is not for the um, complacent. It is not, it, it is a challenge and it requires constant pivoting and readjusting. And also, as an entrepreneur, I'm never satisfied. So, I am constantly tweaking everything, reinventing things, looking. It's actually why a lot of entrepreneurs, um, what I've learned is it's one of the reasons we like to do marathon running 
or climbing mountains because it's those are places where we can actually feel a sense of achievement. Because I can say, yep, I ran nine miles. Mm-hmm. Like, did mm-hmm. that, check that box, done. You never get to do that in business. Right. There's never a finish line. There is never, no, you're in, you have never arrived, which to me is an interesting, it's an interesting way to live and work. And in terms of the energy to do it, I, I just continue to be fueled by the people I get to work with. So whether they are the people here, which they are, they are young, they are creative, they are interesting, they have a different perspective. I love that I get to learn from them. Um, and also, I mean, I don't know, like you get one life, like this is it. It's not, so I don't, I'd rather fill every single day as full as I possibly can. And trust me, like there are days and my family will tell you, like sometimes I do crash and burn. Like I, it will be too much and I have to sit, sit out for like 12 hours and like personal timeout. <laughs> At least you know, you know, the signs coming. I'm going to need a personal uh-huh. timeout. Yes, it's coming. but it is, I mean, I don't know. I think in my bio it says that I've spent, I'm very fortunate that in the past probably year and a half, I've spent probably 12 days with Richard Branson. Which that is a weird, that is a, um, that is something I'm, I'm proud of. It's an honor um, also to be with his family they are remarkable humans that are making such an impact. But Richard is interesting to watch in that he is 68. Maybe he just turned 69, but he doesn't stop either. Yeah. Yeah, it's just part of his DNA. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's, I mean, I feel like I'm leaving a legacy every day. And so I want to have an impact. I want to make a difference. And in in my little corner of the world right now, I'd like that corner to get a little bit bigger, which is what I'm visioning for the next one, three, five, ten years. Um, but that's, I don't know, I think I have a life and a voice. And I think if I can use the, use the lessons that my family taught me and that I've learned to be a good human and show that and teach that via my business and my impact, like, I've won. That feels like absolute winning to me, and that feels like using my life responsibly. Now, remind me, do you run on EOS here? We do. Okay. So um, EOS is the Entrepreneur's Operating System based on the book called Traction by Gino Wickman. We have done it for three-plus years. So we had an amazing implementer, Sue Hawks, who for two years we worked with her as a leadership team to learn EOS. And so um, it is— that's a huge investment in and of itself. It is, but I, I mean, here's the thing. I, I, we can sit here and say all of these glowing things about my life and my business. Um, business has also, it, not everything has been glowing all of the times. And it was actually a like $500,000 mistake that led me to EOS. Mm. So as far as I'm concerned, like EOS and hiring a superstar implementer is like the best deal you can possibly make in your life. Um, for me, it was an investment in time, but I also like to say the only thing I do purely in my life is run on EOS. So I don't stray from it. We don't stray as an organization. It is how we run everything. Because I figure if there are thousands of companies that are using this system, like, 
somebody's figured it out. They know better than I do, so might as well do it. And so much so, the other day I did a delegate to elevate sheet, which is something that you learn in EOS, Mm -hmm. just to like reset on what am I doing in my day because my days were getting too busy. So we needed to figure that out. Wonderful. Yeah, we're a big we're a big fan. We run on it too at Core Talent. How did you guys find it? Well, Mary found it just in I mean, we had self implemented, okay. and then really decided to let's go all in. Good. Yeah. Yep. How is it for you? Uh, awesome. I mean, what's cool is that about, even about sixty five, almost seventy percent of our clients run on EOS. So we even notice a difference in those clients that don't. There's a, there's a difference in the speak, culture. There's a difference yes. in the accountability. Yes. But you also, you speak the same language, mm-hmm. which to me feels like a gift when it comes to, um, when it comes to working with clients. But I also, I am always, I find it interesting when people are like, yeah, EOS didn't really work for us or we kind of outgrew it. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, I find it interesting if I'm coming into a company and let's say I'm, I'm recruiting for their next VP yeah. of marketing. Yeah. And I like to do my due diligence and meet with the team and really get a yeah. pulse on the culture. It's really interesting if you ask five different people what the vision of the company is and you get five different answers. Oh, okay. So not everyone is aligned here. Uh-huh. But what EOS gets everyone in the same direction of uh-huh. what is how do how does their part play into the overall vision of the company? Uh-huh. I think one of the more interesting decisions I've made over the past six months, and and I mean, I'm meeting you today and with sort of renewed um energy just because I'm making big life changes right now but also the past 18 months in business for us they have been challenging and that's what I appreciate so much about you is that you are you are not going to say everything is rosy and wonderful you're going to be open about challenges for in the past two years um we have hired some exceptional people um, that are still with us. We also hired some people that are exceptional humans that just didn't work for us um, and that got us into some places in business. It taught us a lot about our hiring. It taught us a lot about um, what we need to be looking for and who we need to be looking for and how we need to be looking. Um, but it, what we also learned was that because we had some of the people that were not the right people in the right seats, what we struggled with is we struggled to keep clients. And so we had signed, I mean, EOS brought us to our vision. With that vision, we said, we want to work with these massive companies and do all of this. And what's interesting is that our sales team and our internal team, we all of a sudden were able to do that. So we changed our portfolio mix of the types of clients that we worked with because we thought that that would be more profitable and efficient for us. What we didn't prepare for was that our people here were not ready to do that work. And so, and since we didn't have all of the right people in the right seats, then I think what started happening and not all of our processes were so tight and right was that then we weren't keeping the clients. So like you, this, what, what the symptoms of that then become like there are financial implications There are people implications. There are culture implications. 
And we as a leadership team and myself, I mean, I had to do some soul searching to figure out, okay, how do I, like, how did we go wrong? Where did we go so wrong? What do we need to fix? And what do we fix first? Which I think that that was the hard question. Um, and it was painful. Like we had to let some people go. We had a leadership team that had to um, hold a portion. They, they it, we worked on this collectively, but we held a portion of our salaries. And yeah, like we went all in to work to fix this. And amazingly, we did. And so within a month of making some significant changes, we actually were able to boost our sales, boost our client um, satisfaction, and work with our teams here to make sure that people were happy and thriving and understood like this sort of dark cloud moment. We Here's how we are getting on the other side. So you were transparent to the rest of the employees. Well, and that's what transparent is something that we do here, which stuns most people. Um, and I can I can pro-con this all day for you, but we are 100% transparent. So what that means is that our leadership scorecard and every single number from sales to profitability to what is in our checking account to if we owe anybody money, our entire team sees. Um, and why I did that, and I, I chose to do that at the beginning of the summer, and I chose to do it because of that dark cloud moment, I didn't know how to give people faith and security to get to the other side of it. And I think, when I think about workforce, and we have a lot of our people here are in their 20s and 30s, um, I think they want to know where they stand and where the company stands. And I don't think people live their best life in not feeling secure or by having those questions. And so um, that's how I decided to give them that security. And it is the pro of it. And what's kind of, what's been amazing is some of our newest people, as I share this information and I'm really transparent about what's going on, as I share it, the newest people have pulled me aside. And remember, these are people, they're they are in their 20s and they're superstar team members, but their corporate experience, they haven't seen a lot or what they've seen has been so different. These people pulled me aside to say, thank you. And that was really inspiring to me. And selfishly, one of the reasons I'm doing it is because I also need the accountability and I want the leadership team to have the accountability because I think I am just not comfortable running a business where I can tell people that everything's okay, yet I can't sleep at night. Mm -hmm. I would rather get everyone on the same train saying, all right, we've like got an issue. Because also, if, we, if I can involve more people in that conversation, chances are they're going to have a better solve than I do, which... I'm humble enough to know that. Well, at the I mean, end of the day, it's not all on your shoulders, too. I mean, you, when you are transparent, I mean, they're, uh -huh. they're, you're going to see maybe uh -huh. people that you didn't expect to step up who are stepping up. And the people that have stepped up, I mean, it has been amazing. I will say the con side of it, um, because there are a lot of cons, and that's what <laughs> I did it. Of course. Of course, I didn't necessarily well, just prepare not, not for that. Well, not for everyone. Well, 
the cons are once you tell everybody everything, they have an opinion on oh, everything. Yes. Um, and that's, I respect those opinions. It is trying to put those opinions in the right place. Um, and, and figuring out how to respectfully decline the feedback. So, like, um, which is it? It's not typically what I do, but that's um, it's it's interesting. But for me right now, it works. Mm-hmm. And also in business, I don't have a lot of secrets, so that isn't in. I don't know that I would operate really well in business in trying to hold all of those secrets. And really, there's actually another book on top of traction that has changed my life in looking at business, and it's called Profit First. Profit First, okay. Profit First. The guy's name is Mike Michalowicz, I believe. Um, His website is, since his name is just really hard to spell, his website is um, (laughs) MikeMotorbike.com. We'll put that in the show notes, everyone. (laughs) Um, But what is the interesting exercise that I learned from this book, and as we have looked at our business, is as typically in business, we look at profit as what makes up profit is revenue minus expenses equals profit. What he teaches and the mindset that he encourages is that how you look at profit is that you do revenue minus profit equals expenses. So you take your profit out first. And that is how you decide how everything in the company runs, period. So we have evolved as a leadership team. We have a target profitability number. If we are getting anywhere that that profitability number is in jeopardy, we change everything. Huh. So, which is, I mean, we went through an exercise. Once we defined, and we had to edit this year, which I don't believe in, but we had to, to define where exactly we wanted to end up the year on profitability. And what we cut was significant. And it wasn't people, but it was things that we didn't have to do. It's almost like the, the same notion of like paying yourself first. That's what it is. Because yeah. one of the biggest mistakes that I have made in business is that I did not pay myself for a while. I did not pay myself fairly for an even longer while. And I am still continuing down that road to pay myself more fairly. And that's, I mean, I kind of wonder if that is more of a female trait than a male trait. But it's also, it is somewhat about my leadership style as well. So how do you find mentors or people outside of the company? I mean, other than, you know, Richard Branson. Um, (laughs) mm -hmm. Uh, I am thankful. I really believe in peer groups. And so, excuse me, I'm part of a couple and part of organizations. So I know your leadership through NABO. Mm -hmm. So that was one of my first kind of peer groups that I got into. Um, I am officially part of WPO, which is the Women's President's Organization. Excuse me, I'm part of another group called the CEO Roundtable. So WPO is just women. CEO Roundtable is both women and men. Um, I have had an interesting 
experience. I'm super new to CEO Roundtable, but I'm super interested in it. You're the third person who in this week who's told me that they're in CEO Roundtable. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. If you're listening to this and you sign up for it, use my name because my then my chapter gets credits or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm interested. For me, it's a really interesting dynamic because in our group of ten, there are only three women. One of them is dropping off, so there will only be two women. And the men, um, everyone in the group is, they are significantly older than me, which I it was curious if that was going to be uncomfortable for me. They are also running businesses that are so, some of them are so massive, yet just for me, just listening and and being present to learn and being open to learn, I feel really fortunate to be in that group. Um, and that's what I, it, it is just, it has been really interesting. I hope that I can give as much to the group, which is, I think for peer groups, my opinion on them is that number one, you have to show up, which is hard. It is hard to show up because we all get really busy, but then you also have to get work really hard to understand the people in the group and to, and and how I personally process and make relationships is one-on-one. So I can't do I big big group things stress me out a little bit because I can't dig deeper. Right. Yeah, and you enjoy that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So in my peer group and in finding mentors, what I do is I literally get into this group and then spend the year getting together with every single person in the group one-on-one mm-hmm. so that I can start to understand that, understand who they are and what what I can provide to them. I mean, the last question I ask in every meeting is what can I do to help you? Somebody, um, actually I once saw Viola Davis speak and she said, she's like, I don't believe that you should say what can I do to help you? I think you should say, what can I do to support you? So now I've been interchanging them, but then I'm like, support you is her word. So I don't know, but I want to make sure that I'm giving as much as I can to help someone's experience, which I hope in CEO Roundtable I can do that. And you're just at the very beginning of that journey. Yeah. Like I've been there six months. I went on a retreat. It was interesting. Um, It just, it's, but it is interesting to also hear from some of these people that they have like $200 million company, like these massive, these massive organizations and their issues aren't so dissimilar. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be some more systemification to them, to their businesses. But to me, it's an interesting learning experience. And also what I can bring to them, I think I, I'm hoping is helpful. Well, before we move into our lightning round, Alexis, what else would you say, maybe just in terms of like practical advice that you give, maybe it's a tw- another 22-year-old that's thinking of, you know, turning their side hustle into their full-time thing, whether it's someone who's been in business for 25 years and feels stagnant, what, what, what kind of advice do you give? I think you have to decide what you want. And so I think if you've been in business for 20 years, as I have, it is, I think you can get comfortable. 
and and that's fine. That is so okay. And that is that is that is the good life for some people. I challenge in that what would happen if you got uncomfortable? And I and I share the same challenge with anyone who is new to work and new to business is that what if what would you do if failure wasn't an option? To me that's a really interesting question. So, and not an easy question, but I think that would I think that would be my advice. I think I I guess I have one more. Um try not to pass judgments on what you think the experience or the outcome is going to be. So, we um we have an amazing client that um it, it, I, I think they are one of the coolest companies, and you probably have never heard of it. That's the beautiful thing about uh-huh. this town is we, we want to reveal more companies yes. that people well, have never heard of before. This one is not here, yet you are affected by them every single day. Their company is called Parts Town. Parts Town is out of Addison, Illinois. Okay. Parts Town, they are distributors of original manufacturer parts for restaurant equipment. So if you went to Starbucks this morning and were able to get your coffee, but if at Starbucks, if the espresso machine wasn't working this morning, or if their like little heater thing for the breakfast thing wasn't working, they would call a service technician to come and fix it. And chances are that service technician would have to find a part. Chances are they would use Parts Town to get the part to the Starbucks so that you can get your coffee. Why I'm telling this story is that with it is the client is like so far removed from what you and I think about day in and day out. Yet the culture that they have built at this company is so amazing that the 600 plus people that work there, they are all in to the parts town business. And it is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Um, but for us, it was also when they called and we heard about them, we're like, we don't get it. Yeah. Like, we don't, yeah. mm-hmm, we don't, we don't, uh, okay, like, I know you're telling us it's amazing, but it wasn't until we went in and met the people at Parts Town and saw this automation that they have so that you can get things super fast, so that you can get your Starbucks. Um, that is... It, when we saw it, we were like, this is amazing. But we didn't even know that companies like this existed before they came to our door. And had we passed a judgment at first mm-hmm. saying, um, we we don't know, we wouldn't have gotten there and been so enchanted by that. Never judge a book by its cover. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And, and be open to it and be open to different. But it is, I mean, we do as a business – not everything that we do can be uh, something like we just did the opening of RH. So the Restoration Hardware in Edina, that is a stunning facility. We ran thousands of people through a super glamorous open opening party, which that is just a sliver of what we do as a company. But not everything is going to be that, going to be that. And also, we don't learn if that's all that we're doing.
So we're going to kind of unveil some, not, not that you hold back on the, the personal end. I, I really like that about you. So um, your answers to the lightning round. What is a book that you've read in the last five years that you recommend most to others? I read over and over and over. Well, I listen to it, actually. The book, The Secret. So um, the book, The Secret, is like Oprah made it big, of course. The book, The Secret, is all about visually, visually via your mind, manifesting what you want in the world. And it's sort of about changing your mind frame to get what you want, to be what you want, to have what you want, not in terms of physical things, but in the life. And so, I mean, I I read a lot. So I read every I read a lot of fiction. I love read probably read a lot of self-help. <laughs> um, and I listen to a lot, but this one book for the number of times that I've listened to it, it is just for me a constant reminder to reset my brain and to also work on manifesting what I want more of because one of the key tricks in the secret is don't focus on the things that you want less of. So because you're giving that your mind space. You're just going to get more of it. Yeah. So like, do you want more traffic? Do you want more people like not saying yes to you? No, you don't want any of those things. So think about the things that you want. Beautiful. What is your favorite app? I have two. I like. I really like the Steps one right now. I mean, it's just the basic yeah. like health on yes. your Apple phone. Holds you accountable. Um, it does. It does. And I'm really working. It, no, it's. I am just trying to get more steps. Mm-hmm. Period. Uh, so that's it. I would say the second favorite. It's so interesting to me. I'm like trying to do keto, trying, which means I'm not really doing it. Because <laughs> so, like, trying is not really trying. But there is a great, and I think it's free, keto app so that you can record things. And I probably like it because I'm just more interested and think if I log things in it, I'll be healthier. That's not the truth. That's not. You don't. Just because you log things doesn't make you more healthy. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's a journey. What's a fun fact people would never guess about you? Uh, I mean, we've revealed a lot. Really? I mean, we know a lot about you now. Uh, but what's something that we didn't talk about? This is, I think, um, I am I am an introvert. And I am secretly really shy. So, and being an introvert and how I know this is it actually... Someone once described to me how the difference between an introvert and extrovert is where you get your energy. And I get my energy from being alone and with quiet time. I need some every day. Mm-hmm. So, and if I don't get it, it's, I get a little, for me, it's hard. And the being shy is that it is a challenge. But remember, in my life, I like challenges. Right. So I don't love walking into rooms where I don't know anybody. And it requires me to set my mind to just walk up to everybody and say, hi, I'm Alexis. Hi, I'm Alexis. Hi, I'm Alexis. Who are you? Um, but it is uncomfortable for me. 
But because I like that challenge, I put myself in that seat more and more. I find most uh, high performers, you know, do like to um, get uncomfortable because the growth doesn't happen when you are not Uh uncomfortable. Oh, and in my life right now, I am 100% uncomfortable. 100%, which I think that is what I need to do because I think I got too comfortable. And so I had for 14 years, I had this very easy life in existence, lived so close to my work, worked more than I probably needed to, didn't focus on a personal life. And right now I am trying to undo every single one of those things. And it is like, there have been tears. (laughs) Who knows if we got together in six months from now, what you'd say about, right? I mean, it's pushing through that. It is. And it's just trying. But now I, I hate to say this, but I'm now I'm kind of enchanted with being uncomfortable. So I'm like, what are we going (laughs) to do next? Bring it on. Uh Uh-huh. Finally, what time do you wake up in the morning? Uh, my alarm goes off at 6 a.m., but I'm a snoozer. Yeah. So I probably get out of bed at like 6.15, 6.30. What time do you get up in the morning? Oh, you're going to laugh. This is actually quite comical. 6.45. Oh, that's dreamy. Even though I have three children, um, my husband knows I'm not a morning person. That's dreamy. What time do you go to bed? He he does the the morning part of the morning shift. I go to bed around ten thirty. Okay, I need That's my good. sleep. That's good. I've known that about myself for a long time. If I don't get my sleep, I am not a nice person. That's great. That's good to know. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for being on Cortell and Connects. We appreciate hearing your story. And if anyone wants to get in touch with you or learn more about Lola Red, where should they go? LolaRed.com. And so you can email me at alexis at lolared.com. I'm also on all social media as Lola Red Gal. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for joining us on Core Talent Connects. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on your podcast app and share this episode with a friend or colleague. Hi, I'm Laura King from Core Talent. I'd like to invite you to visit coretalent.com to learn more about how Core Talent accelerates business growth through people. That's C-O-R-T-A-L-E-N-T.com. And if you're interested in having me speak on a panel or at your next event about the evolution of recruiting, modern workplace culture, retention, or employee engagement, please drop me a note at lking at coretalent.com or ping me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.